Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter, and we make the connections. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that gets us thinking, gets us imagining, gets us connected, and perhaps inspired or challenged or excited to do just a bit more because we made the connection. Today we are talking about the ancient art of glass blowing, and we have a wonderful guest who is from Vandalia Glassworks, and we'll learn all about Vandalia Glassworks and the cool things that you can buy as well as do through Vandalia Glassworks. So welcome, Bryce. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're glad you're here. Bryce, what is your role at Vandalia Glassworks? I am one of the owners there at Vandalia Glassworks. And you've got magical things to do and say about Ma- Vandalia Glassworks. Yeah, yeah. We do quite a variety of different things. Uh, we offer a lot of classes. Uh, we do some custom work here and there. Um, but we also have a wide variety of glass for sale by a number of different local artists or local glass artists here in the community. You know, this is a really good time uh, to be thinking about unique gifts. You know, it's the holidays and it's a time to remember people in special ways. Now, you can go out and get all kinds of good things for people, but I think a unique unique gift of art is something that people treasure for a long period of time. It becomes something that you remember around the holidays. It's maybe something like an ornament that you would bring out, or it may be something that you use like glassworks, um, glassware. It's a special touch. So I want to encourage you as you're thinking about putting your list together for even those who've been naughty and nice, what kind of glasswork might you want to get for them? And it's not only a gift that you can get for glasswork, you can also give them the experience. So to give you a little background on what Vandalia Glassworks is, it is an independent glass studio. It's in St. Paul. It's right off of 94. You just take the Vandalia exit, (laughs) and not too far from the Vandalia exit is the Vandalia Tower. Um, People pretty easily to get there don't have much complaint in finding your place? No, it's pretty straightforward. It's just on the east side of Vandalia Street. It's actually the old King Coyle Mattress Factory building that they redone. And now there's a number of different... Uh, businesses inside that building. Isn't there a brewery there too? There is right on the opposite side of it as well. Lake Monster. I'm just saying if you want to buy gifts and you want to do a little something for yourself. Exactly. (laughs) There's a way to celebrate your gift purchase or your experience by going to that local brewery as well. So it you there are classes that you literally can blow your own glass and this is um, a facility that you put together for local artists to rent as well as to reach out into the community. Yep, yep. And you've got quite a crew of artists that like to come and use your space. Yeah, we have right around 10 different glass artists, um, all ranging in different styles and as far as what they like to make and and what they like to sell. And you've got a gallery there. Yep, right around 1,000 square feet. And there you can, you know, what I find, and, and I've talked about art uh, on other shows and how nice it is to get to know the artist and you start seeing something that's kind of like their signature that they like to do and building a collection from that is awfully fun. Yep. You often see a lot of the same people kind of come back because they're drawn to the same style um, of, of a different artist that they may have purchased from. Um, so they always come back and they kind of are drawn to the same style of glass that that artist had made. What I like about your website is that you say very blatantly that you love glass. Yep. And you love people who love glass. And it's it's sort of a glass celebration. Yep. We, <laughs> we love glass. We love to talk about it. We love to make it. You know, we also love to sell it as well. And it's something that, as we were talking, it's a beautiful gift of art. But I don't know if everyone really understands how this glass comes from fire. I mean, I think we know it in sort of our our consciousness that, yes, we've heard about how glass gets created and has the process of fire. But we're talking about a, a very ancient skill and a very ancient way of doing things that hasn't changed much since the first century. Yep. And that the tools that people get to use and to create these works of art are no different than from the Roman Empire, which I think is just amazing. Because as we're looking at connections, we I like to look at how does this piece of art relate to something bigger than ourselves as well. And what I've done in looking at preparing for this uh, radio show is look at the history. It really is an ancient art um, that allows us to connect with the beauty of glass as well as the beauty of our history. 
But let's, for the first segment here, talk a little bit about what actually happens when you're blowing your own glass. And these glasses are, you know, a great way to learn how to do it. I'm very drawn to the paperweight. I want to create my own paperweights and I want to eventually uh, make paperweights for my friends because I think they're absolutely beautiful. Uh, But to look at, um, at the process, glass blowing involves fire, molten sand, a really long blowpipe, and um, an intricate and painstaking process. Um, how big are those blowpipes? The blowpipe itself is only about four feet long. That to me is a long ways to be blowing. <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, definitely can be. Um, but you're you're pretty safe with it. Um, there's enough room that you're not actually going to grab the hot part of the pipe. So there's, it's not super dangerous, but there's a few things to kind of watch out for. So if we go back to the Roman Empire, and I'm going to have you all be thinking about this, um, imagine these folks who are putting these blowpipes together. They have to have a furnace, um, and the glass itself has to be melted in crucible temperatures reaching 2,200 degrees Fahrenheit. That's mighty hot. That is really hot, <laughs> and it's it's pretty intimidating at first, but it's not as bad as it seems. Well, when I found out that that's the same degree as lava, it did give me pause. <laughs> <laughs> lava is something that, you know, one pays attention to and stays away from, and yet you're asking me to come closer. Yep. But I'm assuming, because there's also a part of me that's a little pyromaniac, and that there's a little pyromaniac in all of us, that there's something kind of mysterious and intriguing at the same time. Very. All right. So this process, the next part is the gathering where the glass blowers then dip their blowpipes into that melted glass and you turn them until you've got what I would call a decent sized blob. Yep. <laughs> a decent sized gather. That's all you need. So you've got this blob at the end. And at this point, things get a little difficult. Um, the glass has a consistency of honey, right? It's kind of gooey and whatnot, and it can easily drip off. Um, but you need to to roll the liquid into a steel table. Is this called a marver table? Yep. All right, and then smooth it out to give it an even shape. That sounds a little tricky to me. It is a little tricky. Um, usually when people come in and they're questioning how fast you have to spin, it really is a very slow and steady rhythm that you have to spin the glass. Uh, like it is, it, you know, it's like honey. So if you stop spinning, it's going to want to fall off the end of your right. pipe. So the opposite of what you want to do. And now you get to blow onto the blow pipe. And you want to do a little small air bubble inside the molten glass. But this is pretty delicate because if you blow too much, you can actually crack it, right? Yep. If you blow it too thin, uh, you won't be able to do anything with it. So you always have to be conscious of um, making sure the bubble isn't so big that it's going to be able to support the heat or the weight that you're going to eventually either heat back up or encase again with another layer of glass. Once you've got that, that bubble... Is that when you can add the color? You can actually add the color a few various different ways. Usually when we teach lessons, we're using frit. Um, So it's kind of just crushed up dyed glass, usually about the size of like the pencil tip, kind of ranges in sizes. They actually go from powders all the way up to a frit size five, which is like the size of a nickel. Um, But you usually, if you're doing like a paperweight, you're going to pick that color up first, and then you'll heat that back in to start manipulating to your your specific design. Now, all the way during this delicate process of blowing and coloring what you've got to keep the temperature at the correct level yep and that seems a little tricky to me (laughs) yep glass is cooling very quickly so you spend a lot of time at your working bench and then back to your reheating furnace depending on you know whatever step of the process that you're on so are you're forming what you want as you're blowing you've got the colors that you're adding this is all kind of like a little delicate balancing act you don't want to get it too cold it cracks and any part gets too hot um you know it it, it's going to blow out quicker so with all of this eventually do you move it into a wooden block is that part of it as well some people use wooden blocks. We usually use them when the glass gets a little bit larger in size, uh, but oftentimes we actually just use newspaper to shape the glass. Oh, yep. how cool is that? Um, so as I understand it, there's two main processes. There's either the, the free blowing or mold blowing. 
Do you do any mold blowing? Um, occasionally, we do some barware. That's a lot of mold blown. Uh, mold blown obviously speeds up the process quite a bit faster. So if I wanted to like make a nice uh, wine glass, there would be a mold that I could count on. I wouldn't have to like create this from blowing it. There, there is a style in which there, I can pour yeah, it because I'm not sure I'm I'm quite as talented enough to. Yep, make a there wine are molds that you can use, but most artists choose not to. Really? Uh, yep. So usually everything is just free form, free form blown. And they can get it to be straight and all that. That takes practice, I am assuming. It takes a lot of practice. That's why I really like the idea of a paperweight. The paperweight, (laughs) there is like no wrong way that paperweight's gonna come out. So eventually, let's say you've got it, you've added the color, you've blown it, it's it's what you want, then you need to remove it and put it into a kiln. Yep. But the kiln is hot. I mean, because you it needs to cool down slowly. Yep. So the kiln is still hot by most people's standards at 900 degrees. Yep. And then, um, because if you do cool it down too fast, it cracks? Correct. Okay. So you're cooling it down. At what point then can you pull it out and go, aha? Usually we crack the doors right around 250 degrees, and then it can cool a little bit faster with those doors open. Well, you all just heard a very simplified notion of what it takes. So... Part of what I wanted to do today is kind of demystify the process that it, you're getting supervised, you're getting supported by people who know what they're doing. You're not just going to be facing a 2,200 degree Fahrenheit um, molten lava. Uh, folks will give you the tools that you need and how cool would it be to create your own art. Now, in our next segment, I'm going to give some um, background on the history of this so that you can feel very cool about doing the work that you do in context of history and then we'll talk about the art that you can buy in our third segment so stay with us we'll be right back after a few short announcements hi i'm noshina hussein and i'm from reviving the islamic sisterhood for empowerment we are on a mission to amplify the voice and power of muslim women by reclaiming stories told about us and training our sisters to become leaders in our communities. We imagine a future in which all Muslim women are connected, reflected, celebrated, and emboldened. A future that can only be realized when we see ourselves in positions of power. Our sisterhood is grounded in our faith, which inspires us to show up together and create change in our communities. Together, we rise. I'm Peter Rackliffe from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the East Side's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the East Side Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Joyful gospel, roof-raising, rhythm and blues. Fill the house as Park Square Theater presents Marie and Rosetta. November 23rd through December 30th. Godmother of rock and roll, Sister Rosetta Tharp was a huge influence on Elvis, Johnny Cash, Jimi Hendrix, and Ray Charles. This play with music begins as Rosetta and her young protege, Marie Knight, prepare for a tour that will establish them as a groundbreaking musical duo. Jamisia Bennett as Rosetta, with Rajune Couture-Brown as Marie. This is a song fest you won't want to miss, including This Train, Were You There, Rock Me, Sit Down, Didn't It Rain, Call My Name in Prayer, Tall Skinny Papa, Four or five times, I look down the line. Amazing grace and peace in the valley. Previews start Thanksgiving weekend and November 30th is opening night. More at parksquaretheater.org. Greetings. My name is Michael Dardis. I'm excited about my new novel, a historical fiction titled The Dark Side of the Sun. The novel follows six families over 40 years with their struggle for survival and freedom. This is about the relationship of ordinary people living through hard times and two wars. They make difficult decisions to maintain their love and honor to each other and to their country. Wrapped in this struggle is a real mystery that could have changed the course of World War II. The Dark Side of the Sun has received five-star reviews on Amazon and Goodreads. Read the details on the actual history behind the book and follow my book signings and other appearances at michaeldartis.com. The Dark Side of the Sun will make a wonderful gift for any reader on your holiday shopping list. You can purchase my novel 
at michaeldartis.com. That's michaeldartis.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And today we are exploring the art of glass blowing, and we've got Vandalia Glassworks here to talk about the cool classes that they teach and the glassworks that you can buy, and they're especially great to buy during these holidays in thinking about a unique gift. And we have Bryce Borkus, who is one of the owners of Vandalia Glassworks. Welcome. Hi, thanks. Glad to be here. Glad you're here. It's fun to talk about all the cool things that you do. We, I want to make sure that folks know how to get a hold of you or to get a hold of learning more about Vandalia Glassworks. And it's very simple. Just go to vandaliaglassworks.com and all of the classes and the types of uh, things that you sell are all beautifully displayed. All right. So in this segment... We're going to take a little journey back in time. Uh, I mentioned in the last segment how this is an ancient uh, skill. Some of the very same tools that are used uh, today were used in like the first century. And what I found interesting when I did a little um, history research on this is at the very same time that the Roman Empire began was really the same time that the invention of glass blowing. Now, I don't know if civilization and glass blowing, you know, are dependent upon each other or not, but I think it's very cool that uh, because it was at the beginning of the civilization, it just helped spread um, and uh, the dominance of this technology was then being able to be enhanced by the spread of the Roman Empire. So it was supported by the Roman government, although Roman citizens could not uh, be in the trade per se. Um, they were craftsmen that they were able to work in partnership with. So there are many uh, places where the glass was blown during the Roman world. On the eastern borders of the empire, the first large glass warps were set up by the Phoenicians. And you probably have heard of Phoenician glass. Have, do you have any background in Phoenician glass? A little bit. Venetian glass is glass that's blown very thin. A lot of your stemware is usually considered Venetian-style glass. Um, the trick to Venetian-style glass uh, is that it cools down very, very quickly. So it's a very different skill set that you need to kind of be able to manage that heat. Um, you're dealing with such thin glass that it's cooling in seconds. So it's a lot of reheating and being able to kind of balance that, that temperature throughout your piece. Obviously, if it gets a little bit too cold, it's going to crack. Um, I, can, I just imagine these uh, it actually started in Lebanon, and so these are all part of the Phoenicians that uh, uh, the Phoenicia is now considered the contemporary Lebanon. How do they even think about this? I'm just going to take like this long straw and blow glass. I mean, who who thinks about creating sand and pulling it together and deciding? You know, it's definitely interesting <laughs> to think back how it actually started. Yeah. Um, also to think back at the temperatures that they used. Like yeah. when you, earlier when we talked about the temperatures that we're dealing with, most likely it was not the same temperatures that they were dealing with back then. And they had such complex designs of these vessels, um, and they were very sophisticated. There was mold-blown glass vessels that they created, um, as well as creating the glass blowing. Um, so the glass blowing technique eventually reached Egypt, um, and it was described in like this third century poem. Um, and the Mediterranean a areas took it over, um, Hellenistic casting, core forming, uh, mosaic fusion techniques. Um, there is early evidence of blowing in the Hellenistic works that consisted of small blown bottles of perfume. And these have been retrieved from the early glass workshops of the Greek islands. Uh, there's Corinth that did this, and that, again, dates back to the first century. So later, the Phoenician glass workers exploited their glass blowing techniques and set up workshops in the Western territories. So they went to Italy. Um, they went further out to uh, uh, places in Germany and even Switzerland. They were looking at not only perfume bottles, but then they moved to tableware and window glass. And I think back and think, oh, stained glass. That was some of the early um, middle... Uh, 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 
during the before the Renaissance, uh, during the Dark Ages per se, uh, they started doing those beautiful stained glass, and that was being done in Switzerland and France and Belgium, up the Rhine in Germany in the late first century BC. They had stone base molds and terracotta base molds, blown jars. Um, do you have some, you know, experience with some of uh, looking back and thinking about some of those pieces that were then early uh, early created? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting to kind of go back and see what they made. I mean, if you you, you were talking about Murano, Italy, so yeah. now that is kind of like the home to glass. Um, actually, this past year, we spent some time in Murano. Uh, once a year, there's a, a glass conference. Usually, it's all around the world. This this time, it ended up being in Murano. So we spent four to five days there, just kind of exploring some of the professional glass blowers, their studios, their styles. How it's you know, it's very different there than it is over in the states. You know, just the kind of different technology available. So. Sure. Some of the early blowpipes that they found in Switzerland and Italy were the clay blowpipes, and they also were called mouth blowers. And now you've got metal blowpipes. Yep, generally, usually like a stainless steel to a mild steel. So it's interesting to think about how did they, you know, transfer from being clay into metal. It was really right around the 4th century in Spain, um, as well as in Croatia, that they started to advance. And then I started to talk about the Middle Ages uh, and the Renaissance. Um, during the demise of the Roman Empire, there was uh, an increase, actually, um, in France and other places of doing glass blowing and corrugated moles and developing claws and decoration techniques and blown glass objects such as drinking vessels that imitated an animal horn or they started doing a little bit more um, outside the box of traditional thinking of what glass could be. Yep. And when you go to your uh, these conferences and whatnot, is are there some historic aspects shown and shared as well as progressive new glassworks of the future? Yeah, a little bit. Um, but kind of goes back to the culture of glass. Mm-hmm. Most people like to keep it the same way as it was just to kind of remember how we got to where we are now. Sure. Um, so in a way, a lot of the stuff is the same, but there's always going to be new tools and new tricks out there to help kind of advance everybody. Well, and if we go through the Renaissance, moves up to the 17th century, and it became very widespread, and that's uh, China and Japan and the Islamic lands seem to start taking it on and uh, creating table glass and chandeliers and uh, expanding um, a studio, uh, gla- well, a whole glass movement. Then in the 60s, which I think is very interesting, which is sort of the predecessor to your studio, there was a, gla- uh, a studio glass movement in 1962. There was a Harvey Littleton was a ceramics professor and a chemist and an engineer started creating these workshops and used small furnaces and, and individual artists. Yep. And that's sort of kind of your grandfather's studio. <laughs> exactly. Harvey is the one who brought it all, you know. He's the one who kind of started it in the Midwest. So we all, you know, need to thank Harvey for bringing it on over. (laughs) Well, Harvey not only, you know, envisioned how artists could have access, but it almost became um, a system of like almost I consider choreography of all the different things that need to take place and standardize that for folks Mm -hmm. to to consider. So when you go and you learn about this glass and you start to do it, you're really part of a tradition that goes back to the first century, um, as well as a, a group of artists movement that started not that long ago to give any of us access to to do to practice this ancient art. Yep. Well, we're coming down to the last few seconds here before we have to go to break. Um, I just want to make sure that you all know how to get to the um, website. It's VandaliaGlassworks.com. Very easy to get to the studio. Just take 94 East, or if you're coming from the East, I guess you go West. (laughs) And you take the Vandalia exit, and it's right there. You're listening to AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and this is Connections Radio Show. We'll be right back after a few couple commercials. Take care. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail, starting with the menu. The Payne Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians, who made the Eastside their home. 
More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Hi, this is Jen of Vandalia Glassworks in St. Paul. We're an independent glass studio celebrating the art of making beautiful glassworks. This ancient skill of creating art from fire is something you can learn to do through the Blow Your Own Glass class classes. Learn to make an elegant glass paperweight, and advanced classes will teach you how to make tumblers and other pieces of art. Consider giving the gift of experience during the holidays. Sign up with friends and family to create artistic glassworks together. More at VandaliaGlassworks.com. The bright and fun brainchild of the Wadi Brothers, the World Street Kitchen, features flavors from across the globe, from Asia to the Caribbean to the Mediterranean and everything in between. The restaurant serves popular staples, specials, sweets, and cocktails in one friendly spot. What's it like? It's an experience. The red curry chicken burrito slaps you on one cheek and kisses you on the other. Bring your favorite people, order at the counter, sit together and laugh. Eat your crazy, delicious, simple food with big, bold flavors that come together with delicious harmony. And for dessert, enjoy the best ice cream you've ever tasted at Milk Jam Creamery just next door. Amazing frozen creation by the team behind the World Street Kitchen. Come to Minneapolis Uptown at 2743 Lindale Avenue South and get a taste of the world. Find out about the tasty goodness at EATWSK.com. That's EATWSK.com. Building a new home or remodeling a treasured older home can be one of the most exciting and rewarding endeavors of a lifetime. The key to success is to have your priorities and expectations decided up front and that your building partners all share your goals and vision. Steve Northway, founder of Construction Advocates, takes the mystery out of the process of building or remodeling and helps ensure a rewarding process for all involved. For more information or to set up an interview with Steve, go to constructionadvocates.com. That's constructionadvocates.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for sunny skies today with a high near 39. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 28. Sunday, sunny with a high near 37. And Monday, sunny with a high around 32. The Downtowner Woodfire Grill is the Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week. It's the perfect choice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Their menu is considered American Bistro with lots of delicious options, including fresh wood-fired pizza and daily seafood specials. Located at 253 West 7th Street in downtown St. Paul. More at downtownerwoodfire.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, and we've been talking about the art of glass blowing and all the wonderful things that you can do at the Vandalia Glassworks. You can both learn how to do glasswork as well as buy some really beautiful stuff. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the beautiful art that's at the Vandalia Glassworks. Uh, we have Bryce Burkus, who is one of the owners. Welcome, Bryce. Hey. You were telling me about some of the artists that uh, have their art featured, and as well as your art, I'm assuming. Yep, I got a few things in there. Uh, tell me about the work that you like to, you personally like to do when you're um, uh, doing this glass work and what you sell. Um, I really like to do a lot of bowls, uh, but it's kind of all over the map. So I'm fairly new to the glass world, so I'm still kind of branching out and, and trying a little bit of everything just to kind of figure out what I want to hone in on. Would you say you have a, a certain style and what's that style? Um, I don't know if I have a specific style, um, but I do like very straightforward designs. So I like uh, geometric kind of designs. I like solid colors. Um, usually things that I don't go for are a lot of very, like a lot of colors all in one piece. Well, what we're going to do in this segment is I'm actually going right to the website, and you can too. It's at thevandaliaglassworks.com. And I'm going to talk about each of the different types of art um, that you can buy. And I'm going to go to the bowls first. One thing I also want to mention is that sometimes people think when they buy art, oh, it's going to be hundreds and hundreds of dollars because that's just the assumption about art. Now, there are things that are very expensive that are absolutely gorgeous, but there's also price points that everyone can afford. And I think um, buying a unique gift has its own special quality and that you should consider the same amount that you'd be spending on the, that person. Why not buy them some art? So now I'm at the bowl section. Uh, that's your 
expertise and what you like to do. So I'm opening it up to the bowls. And I have to say, right off the bat, first thing I see is something that looks very much like the colors of my alma mater, the University of Minnesota. And there's this beautiful maroon bowl with a great big golden, almost the goldy gopher look, of Minnesota right in the middle of it. So now that's at a very reasonable price of $60. Mm-hmm. What a lovely gift to give, especially to someone who loves the U of M and maybe want to have a popcorn bowl. It's going to be, no one else can get it. it it's it's unique to itself. Yeah, absolutely. So not, uh, you know, we don't just do soft glass like what we were talking about, blown mm-hmm. glass. That particular bowl is actually a fused glass uh, piece of work. So that's done by actually just using uh, pane glass and just kind of cutting those shapes out and using a kiln to melt it all together. Now, the piece right next to it um, almost looks like something my grandmother would have collected. They've been around for quite some time. It's called a flutter bowl, and it it has sort of a, a wavy top to it. it. It almost blossoms up like a big flower. Yep. How would, would one make that flowery bowl? So the flutter bowl is actually a, a pretty straightforward and an easy piece to make. Um, we, we teach a lot of them. Um, usually it's just done by blowing a bowl off the end of the pipes where it'll, it'll eventually be transferred so we can finish heating it from a different angle. So once we get it opened up a little bit, um, we use, the heat does a lot of the work for us. So we hang out inside the furnace until the top half of the bowl roughly gets really warm. And then we start to increase our speed and we, we spin super fast until it starts to flare out. And then we give it a little bit of a downward angle to create that kind of wavy top. And my guess is that probably took a little bit more time than the one that we just talked about. Yes, just a little. So with that much, you know, so it is a little bit more expensive, but, you know, time and effort and skill set plays into it. Um, And that flutter bowl uh, is $120, but it's a gorgeous color. And it's uh, this lovely kind of seafoam green that, and if you're liking mid-century like I do, it fits in beautifully with that whole mid-century look. Um, Now you get to some of these other bowls. There's um, a feathered bowl. Or here you point. Which one do you like? Uh, this Corona Bowl is, oh, is one gorgeous. of my favorites. Gorgeous. Tell me about the Corona Bowl and why you like uh, it. The Corona Bowl is actually one of the pieces that I've made. Um, it's done by kind of a, a different process. Um, it's done by doing overlays of color. So it's done by using bar instead of frit. So bar is kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's just a rolled solid piece of glass. You break up and then you drop it over top of your bubbles. So you get a solid color throughout the entire piece so the interior of this bowl looks gold yep this is and it it looks like it's basically made from gold it's just this beautiful shimmery gold the exterior looks like it could be a silver um or is it gold as well the exterior it's a little bit of a reflection but the exterior is actually black oh okay Uh, and then the inside is gold so gold is not a very easy color to achieve in the glass world they make some gold color but it's extremely expensive um, this particular color was a reduction color, so it's done by reducing the amount of oxygen um, in the flame. So that's what gives it that kind of goldish shimmer. That's where the chemistry comes in, yep. right? It's, yep. it's an art and it's a science. Uh, tell me about the anemone bowl. That looks like, is it is it as big as it looks or is it just that the way that it was photographed? No, it looks it's like as it's big nice... as, it's, it's a big bowl, but it's the same thing. So another thing to kind of keep in mind in the glass world is the interior of the Corona bowl is actually the same interior as that white bowl there. Oh, okay. So when you pair it with different colors, you're not always going to end up with the same vibrant kind of gold but you know it's a very attractive it has that kind of um you know variegated gold look to it yep now this anemone bowl the reason I, it looks like a great big popcorn bowl i mean <laughs> it's a big bowl <laughs> and you know if you're looking for something fun like a big popcorn bowl it is a, a perfect gift now the ones that are above up there they look like they're probably a little bit smaller i almost imagine like little candles sometimes are, are used in in some uh, it's a little bit bigger but you could put a candle inside of it mm-hmm. and you've got a really interesting use of multicolors. Is that where you were talking about in the last segment on how you use the powders or how does this get achieved? Yep. So that color design is actually by using frits. So about the size of like your pencil tip kind of sizing color. So it's done by rolling that in your molten glass, kind of picking the colors that you want. Um, there's various techniques like the purple one there. Uh, it's called a feathering technique, so it's kind of like a pick you can actually use to rake the glass around to give it that kind of feathered appearance. These range, you know, around $75. Yep. 
And again, they if you know that there's a color in particular that someone's collecting that would add, or if they just enjoy art that's a little different, um, these are fun. I'm going to continue with some more with some other bowls. There's this one bowl that's called the Modern Simone Bowl that also looks like my grandmother's mixing bowl. Yep. <laughs> it's got that beautiful milk glass. Yep. And with black stripes that look very Art Deco, very, yep. very into the 20s. Um, it, it, that can be a decorative bowl? Or, yep, could or, be decorative or functional. Great. And again, there's some lovely Minnesota. Uh, last one before we go with the bowls. Tell me a little bit about the Lazuli fused bowl. That the, looks a little different. It is a little different. That is also done by um, fused glass. So that's done by creating the shapes that you want and actually cutting it out of the sheet glass itself. Um, and to describe this piece, it's it looks like it's a cream, lovely cream bowl, but in the middle of it, there's this like gorgeous big stripe of a taupe and then another stripe in the middle of that that's this like vibrant, beautiful blue. Yep. So Eric, the other owner, is actually the one who made that bowl. Um, he's actually also a woodworker. So I think the inspiration behind that was, if you're familiar with any of that, um, epoxy pouring uh, wood pieces that's kind of the vibe that it has well it has a definite charm and a very unique look so let's go um you know one of the things that really caught my eye was that there is something for cremations <laughs> and you know i looked it, it's interesting it's, it, and when you get to a certain age you start thinking about you know <laughs> what 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 will i do or what will i instruct folks and there's places where you can put your ashes in a tree in the tree there's a really expensive one for diamonds which is like $3000 yep. which is like ridiculous who can who would want their ashes to go into a diamond and, you know but you've got like these infused cremation that can go into glass art. Tell me how that got started and, and what that process is. So um, it's kind of been around for a while, but it's now kind of just starting to hit the market a little bit harder. Um, but the ones that we offer are fairly customizable. So you just kind of let us know of the colors or the shapes that you're after, and then we can turn it into something you know beautiful that you'll hang on to for forever, hopefully. Um, but it's it's done by kind of the same process of picking up your color. Um, we just pick up the ash inside of the glass. We make sure it's not going to fall back out or anything while reheating. Um, and then we we eventually just encase it again in glass so it, it it's inside the glass and it's not going to go anywhere. Now, the first one I see here looks like this beautiful dome. But it does look like a paperweight. Is it yep. basically a paperweight? Yep. So the good old you, egg. It, the nice thing is that you, you can have a function in your afterlife. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're able to like have not only beautiful art that might go up on your fireplace, but who knows? It could end up on someone's desk. Yep. <laughs> and allowing what they they really are beautiful colors. There, if you've seen these beautiful glass paperweights that have uh, a different mixture of greens and blues or reds and yellows. Um, they have something that you just want to touch. You want to pick them up. You want to, and they have weight and they have yep. strength and beauty. And it's very easy to order uh, to create your memorial egg or your memorial swirl or what it is that you want. And just one of the things to maybe think about uh, in terms of your future. Uh, I'm going to look at some other. I'm going to go back to the website here and we'll pick up uh, on the Unity glass. Tell me about that. So the Unity glass is as a, is a spin-off to the traditional mixing of the sand ceremony. So traditionally they would mix the sand together to create unity. You would never be able to separate the different grains of sand. Um, so we offer that in a glass form. So they can come in and they can purchase color through me. Um, mm -hmm. Wedding colors, favorite colors, whatever the case may be, and they can mix those together um, during the wedding. And then once they're finished, they can then bring it back uh, to be made into a final piece. So it's like sands that come together, like you've seen in ceremony, but that sand then is honored by bringing back and you create, it almost looks like two doves that have their yep. necks uh, entwined or an infinity, the um, that eight that creates that infinity feel or a beautiful vase. Yep. And what a lovely way to um, memorialize your ceremony with something that, that's... And it's yeah, and it's very customizable. We, you know, obviously the go-tos are a few sculptures, vases, um, pretty big is ornaments as well. But if you're after something specific, we can get you there as well. Vases. Who can't use a beautiful vase for beautiful flowers um, or dried arrangements or whatever? Um, there's one here that uh, strikes me, the Alexandrite cylinder. Um what when I think of Alexandrite, I think of a stone that has a color that changes on you. Mm -hmm. um, what makes this special? Is this just the color of it? That's the blue and yep, the purple. Yep, the color. It's kind of a little bit of a gradient, and then you have um, 
the kind of purplish red kind of spots within it. Um, especially when you get into blue glass, blue glass dates back to the Roman Empire. To the Venetian, you know, I yep, think. The of cobalt blue. blue. Yeah. So anytime you get glass and light, it changes quite a bit. Now, there's some other designs. There's like the one that, that's the Alexandrite is sort of the straight silica, the cylinder up. But there's some really charming designs that have it kind of blow up and then a little narrower at the top and then wider at the top and uh, scooping down. What kind of ways um, make? Uh, what kind of ways do you think of when you're creating these vases? You know, what what inspires you to create the vase the way it is? Sometimes you just kind of let whatever happen happen, and you just kind of <laughs> roll with it. Um, sure. Other times there's, you know, you can always mimic like historical kind of pieces of work as well, and just kind of play off on that a little bit. Now we also talked in the last segment about. Um, uh, Towards the 17th century, they started creating animals and they started creating figurines. You've got some beautiful figurines here, too, that people can buy. So what I'm encouraging, we're coming down the end of this third segment. We're going to talk more about things that you can buy in the next segment as well. But uh, wander around. Uh, take a look. Take a look at the vases. Take a look at the bowls. Take a look at the glasswork. I always find that art calls to you. There's going to be a piece that you see that go, yeah, tell me more. And just like we're doing today, if you have questions about what that looks like or why or how it was done, they love to answer those questions. They love to have those conversations. So be thinking about that. Then go down to Vandalia Glassworks right off of 94 off of uh, Vandalia and uh, take a look. And you can also prepare your journey by going to VandaliaGlassworks.com before you go. So stay with us. We're coming back after some uh, commercials and we'll wrap it up with some other fun things that you could be looking for at Vandalia Glassworks. Hi, I'm Rose McGee, founder of Sweet Potato Comfort Pies. I invite you to celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s 90th birthday and our Sweet Potato Comfort Pies 5th Annual Holiday of Service. We'll experience the deep roots of African-American culture and its time-tested practice for fostering healing and constructive action. In the South, where Dr. King led his groundbreaking work for civil rights, Sweet Potato Pie has always been the sacred dessert of black culture. On Saturday, January 19th at Calvary Lutheran Church in Golden Valley, volunteers will bake 90 pies in honor of Dr. King. Then on Sunday, January 20th at Brookview Community Center in Golden Valley, community members will share their own stories to promote racial solidarity and healing, and together will determine who to recognize with a pie for comfort or courage. So to beg, register or donate, please email us at sweetpotatocomfortpies at gmail.com. Together, we'll keep our eyes on the pies. St. Paul's Payne Avenue Historic Brunson's Pub has a special charm you feel instantly as you walk through the doors. Owners Tom and Molly encourage you to come to their cozy pub and celebrate the holidays with great food and drink. Brunson's Pub gives you a taste of history and inspires you to make a little history of your own. Tom's first job at 17 was a busser at a local Eastside restaurant. The attraction to hospitality was immediate. The energy, the community, the living history. He knew his future then. Not long after, Tom met Molly while both working at a St. Paul pub. It was love at first sight. With Tom's passion for locally owned restaurants and Molly's entrepreneurial drive, a partnership was forged and grew into a celebration of the art and history of the St. Paul pub through creating the Brunson's Pub. Bring your friends and family and enjoy good times together at Brunson's Pub. You can pick up a discounted gift card at Brunson'sPub.com and be sure to give a visit and a like to Brunson's Pub on Facebook. Tom and Molly look forward to seeing you. Gandhi Mahal is a full-spice Bangladeshi Indian restaurant. The owner, Rahel Islam, comes from the Flavor Village in Bangladesh, and he is pleased to offer you dishes cooked from passed-down family recipes. Gandhi Mahal's mission is to provide high-quality, healthy, locally-sourced food that brings you peace by pleasing your palate. Dedicated to Gandhi's principle of inspiring change through our contributions, Gandhi Mahal Restaurant aspires to bring diverse Minnesotans together. We invite you to join Gandhi Mahal's celebration for New Year's Eve. Join us for lively, authentic Indian music and a special meal to bring in our New Year hopes for change. Your visit will also support increased community understanding and sustainability. Visit Gandhi Mahal Restaurant located at 3009 27th Avenue South in Minneapolis. And learn more about us at our website, GandhiMahal.com. That's GandhiMahal.com. 
Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and we've been having a delightful time checking out the art of glasswork by talking about its history, by talking about the process, and being able to see some very cool pieces of art that you can go buy. I'm encouraging you to go to the VandaliaGlassworks.com website and have you take a personal look at these. Some of them are just amazing. It's fun to take a look and then go down to Vandalia Glassworks. Simple to get to. It's right off of 94, off of the Vandalia exit. And it's in the old, uh, what did you say, Bruce? The, Bryce? the old King Coil Mattress Factory. And that's Bryce uh, Borkas, who is one of the owners of the Vandalia Glassworks. So I'd like to continue our conversation, and if you are near a website and you can get to Vandalia Glassworks, where we're going to go is to housewares. And these are also very lovely host gifts um, to be thinking about if you're going to a party. Some of these are charming, or to have them at a party. One of the ones that struck me right away is the beautiful clear and yellow carafe set. And so with that, you've got these beautiful um, glassware and... Um, and and matching pictures. So tell me about those. Yeah, um, they make for the perfect gift. Every one of them is just a little bit different. There's various you know shapes, different sizes, different colors, things like that. And for folks that um, maybe they've just gotten married and you want to give something that's very special that they'll treasure for their uh, their time together, it's just you can use it for water if you want, um, yep. or you can use it for wine. Uh, beautiful pitcher. I love the blue and purple pitcher. Has a very lovely. That almost looks like a Grecian design with yep. that high uh, arm there on the pitcher. Um, there's also little jars. Tell me about the jars. The jars I think are going to be perfect for little stocking stuffers. They are really good for stocking stuffers, uh, but they're pretty universal, so you can pretty much put anything in them. They do come with a corked lid, um, so they do seal very nicely as well. You can put, you know, little powder puffs, or if you wanted it on your desk, you could have paper uh, clips in there. Um, they're just really lovely and very charming and uh, Something to think about for yourself or to give as a friend. You said soap dishes are real popular. Soap dishes are pretty popular. Um, we also do custom ones of that, so we can actually put um, different designs on the inside of the soap dish. But a lot of people buy them, and they don't use them as soap dishes. So they become like spoon rests, <laughs> kind of like a catch-all as well. Uh-huh. So what kind of designs are you talking like they can bring in a picture and that you're able to... A little bit. Um, so oftentimes we've actually done... More for like wedding gifts, but we can put names and oh, dates into sure. them as well. Oh, nice. So it becomes a way to honor yep. um, that time. That's wonderful. That and then do the infinity. It's cool. All right. I want to also talk about ornaments. This is a perfect time of year to talk about ornaments. So tell me the different types of ornaments that you've got. So we have a number of different styles. We actually have a few um, flame worked, a different style of glass ornaments as well. And then you have your traditional soft glass ornaments. Um, but inside the studio is our 10-foot tree. We have a live <laughs> tree filled with ornaments. Oh, that's great. And can you buy it right off the tree? Right off the tree. Okay. Find the one you like, you so, pull it right off. So you can visualize it. It's not in a box. It's yep. right there. You can see it right on. Um, are there other... So you've got them on the tree as well as, I'm assuming, other places too. Yep, yep. Okay. So throughout the store, you could be looking for, for the perfect ornament. Tell me, are there different types of design? Are there ones that are like figures as well as the traditional? So right now, we have a lot of the just traditional... Um, bulbs mm -hmm. as far as ornaments. We do have some of the flamework style. So some of the flamework style are like um, icicles, a few more decorative style mm -hmm. bulbs. Mm -hmm. um, they kind of have just, they come down to a little bit more of a point. Kind of a different effect to your traditional uh, ornament. And again, they become heirlooms. Yep. And I, some of the things that I have at Christmas that I bring out every year, there's that special uh, connection, that special kinship to that memory of either something that had been made years ago or, or a special gift. And this is a gift that I think people would treasure and then be able to honor each year. And if you don't want to put it away, these <laughs> ornaments are lovely year round. They're not, they don't all have to speak uh, Christmas. They could yep. be just something that you have to decorate in your living room or your kitchen. Just a, Yeah, a we have a number of people who come back every year and they oh. actually keep them out. So they put them in front of like a windowsill or they hang them, hang them above the window. Light shines through them. Oh, how pretty. It's almost like creating your own little glass mobile. Yep. Uh, and I'm imagining when the light comes through, it refracts and is just gorgeous. Something that I want to make sure we talk about that just made me smile are the pumpkins. Not only are they fun, but you teach people how to use the, you know, how to make the pumpkins yep. as well as how to have, uh, how you can buy pumpkins to have. And 
I personally think pumpkins don't have to just be during the fall. Pumpkins are very fun. They are very fun. Very unique. There's always different shapes. There's different colors. We even have gourds in there as well. (laughs) But especially fun during the fall. I bet you had a lot of folks during uh, this harvest time. Yep. Uh, But you've got colors that uh, sort of a unique view uh, of pumpkins. We've got blues and greens and blacks and yellows and... it's it, it's very festive as well as very creative and playful. Yep. Usually in the fall, uh, we create what we call our pumpkin patch. So we bring in hay bales <laughs> and we decorate a little bit and we have all of the pumpkins in, in one area. Well, that's terrific. Now, you said that as an artist, you like to do the bowls as, as sort of your signature piece. Is there one that is there something that you're working on in the future that you'd like to add to that line of things that you do? Or do you really just like focusing on the bowls? No, I kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, so something that I see myself in the future, I guess what I do a little bit now is uh, cane work. So oh. the very intricate patterns that you see inside of glass, that's mm-hmm. something that I'm kind of drawn to. So a little bit more in the future. Now, if folks come to Vandalia, no, not if, when, when folks come to Vandalia Glassworks, can they ask for you and, and talk to you about what their interests are? Yeah, absolutely. I'm there, you know, all the time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, drop by, ask questions, anything. I also want to make mention that you will be moving soon. So to get to Vandalia Glassworks right now is right off of Vandalia. And folks can do that now and January and February. But come March, uh, you'll be in a new space. February. Oh, come February. February, okay. yep. We're hoping to move late January, early February. So we'll be moving to South St. Paul. Are you going to expand your classes at that point? Yep. Yep, so we're going to be offering a few more classes, a little bit longer classes. Now they're just kind of like you're coming, make your piece, and then you come back for it later on. We'll start to incorporate maybe some longer programs to really expand their skill sets. So in this last minute, if you want to just talk about um, what are some classes that if folks wanted to give as gifts um, for the holidays... Um, what ones would you recommend and what's the price range? Uh, one that I would recommend if you've never worked with glass is the paperweight class that teaches you mo- most of the fundamentals. Uh, price range for that is $60 a person. Um, if they don't want to do the paperweight, we then offer the pint glass lesson. Um, that one is a little bit more challenging, uh, a little bit more time consuming, but we can get anyone through it. Um, that one is $80 a person. And may I mention that I have bought paperweights at the $60 level. So you're basically, you know, buying a piece of art that you may would have bought without making it. And how much fun is it to be able to learn how to deal with lava? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So thank you, Bryce, for being with us today. Uh, Thanks for having me. And sharing about the cool work that you're doing. And again... Great holiday gifts, not only in terms of the actual glass pieces that you can wander around in the gallery. Go in and, you know, I like to create a little space for myself during the holidays for when I am buying things to make it a pleasant experience for me, too, because it can be challenging going out there. I recommend having fun and going to the gallery for yourself as well as for gifts that you want to give to others. Uh, And for more information on all this, you can go to VandaliaGlassWorks.com. Brief yourself on what you want to take a look at and then go on over and ask for Bryce. And you're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Have a good one.